Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of our wrestling podcast. So without further ado, the following contest is scheduled for one fall, and today's topic, underrated WrestleMania moments. Jess and Cuz bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just the diehards sharing our opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, underrated WrestleMania moments. I want to include some matches too, but there are some moments like part of matches that, that I feel that we should have the liberty to bring up because a lot of people talk about, you know, Hogan versus Andre. Everybody talks about that, that, that moment when he slams Andre and pins Andre, that's like a defining WrestleMania moment. Yeah. The, the stare down between Hulk and warrior. Yes. The, the stare. Sorry. Yeah. That's completely like talked about, you know, not, not underrated the mm-hmm. stare down between Hogan and warrior and then warrior pinning Hogan clean. That's like, everybody talks about that savage and Hogan, uh, you know, rock and Austin WrestleMania 17. Like everybody talks about those, those moments and the Austin turning heel. You know, everybody talks about that stuff, but there's so many other moments that I, enjoy when i watch and i go god like that that was either a really good match that nobody talks about because it got it got lost in the shuffle because another match on that show stole it from you know stole the thunder or that moment just nobody talked about like it became maybe it wasn't scripted to be a good moment like bundy elbow dropping the midget i mean it was designed to be like arguably that was really the first wrestlemania moment when you think about it the bundy because it was it was a clip that they knew would probably make the news and like that's what they wanted. Obviously, they wanted the Hulk and Andre stare down, and it did. It made every cover and every all that. But Bundy like elbow dropping this goddamn midget like was was the first true WrestleMania moment that everybody remembers. Like everyone's like, oh, isn't that the guy that squashed the midget? Like so, like it it there's a, there's sub moments like that, like little under moments like that. And one that comes to mind for me was WrestleMania six. Uh, it was Demolition taking on the Colossal Connection, which was Andre the Giant and Haku for the WWF tag titles. And Andre and Haku were champions coming in. And if Demolition won, it, they would be they would tie the Wild Samoans record for three tag team title wins. They would be the second tag team ever in history at that point to win three WWF tag titles. What a golden opportunity here for Demolition, Jess. A chance for them to three-peat. Become three times co-holders of the titles. Three for the World That's Wrestling right. Federation Tag Championship. Schedule three feet. I don't stutter or anything. In the ring are the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, managed by Bobby the Brain. So. Uh, Earlier, uh, I would say, I think it was late in 1999, late December of 1999, Andre and Haku beat Demolition absolutely clean to win the world titles. Andre just dominated both of them and dropped an elbow. I think it was on 
Axe and pinned him. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Like, just happened right now. They just won the titles. There was a little juggling of the titles back and forth. Demolition was the made team. But, like, the Brainbusters beat Demolition right before SummerSlam 89. And there was a contract dispute with the Brainbusters. They ended up leaving the company. So I think, th- I think that they wanted the Brainbusters to kind of hold it from the summer of 89 and lose it to demolition at mania making demolition really truly only a two-time tag champion. But I think with the contract dispute and the brain busters leaving Vince still wanted to be like, well, let's get it off demolition again. Cause demolition ended up winning it from the brain busters because of that dispute. So that made demolition two-time tag champs. And then uh, Haku and Andre won it like a month later after they won it for the second time to win it back. So I think Vince still wanted that play one of Bobby Heenan's tag teams to take it off them and drag it out to mania and then have demolition win it in a big moment. But it just ended up being a historic moment because they tied the Samoans. And if I'd say, go back and watch this match, not because of the quality, because Andre was pretty much decrepit at this point and he was almost done. And uh, literally he was on the outside of the ring, the entire match for this match. Haku did all the work because Andre could barely move. And when he did get in the ring, he had to be by the top rope holding it. So he wouldn't fall over legitly. I mean, his back was so shot. His knees were so shot. He was just in a bad way. But Vince wanted to give him the tag titles as like a thank you, I guess, especially since the brain bus- the brain busters kind of de- defected back to WCW. I think he wanted to be like, OK, I-, I still want to take the titles off demolition. I just don't like let's give it to Andre and Haku and kind of give Haku a little thank you and give Andre a huge thank you because he's Andre. So um because really, after the Hulk Hogan moment at WrestleMania three, Andre slowly went downhill health wise. So um, it was near, it was nearing the end. So the match itself was 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 pretty poor, and it was just really Haku in the ring the whole time. But when Andre finally did tag in, um, Haku accidentally kicked Andre in the face with his crescent kick and knocked Andre. Andre did the whole fall back into the ropes and tied himself up in the ropes, you know. So you look like a big like woolly mammoth, like tied up in the top rope. And then uh, Demolition double teamed Haku and did their demolition finishing maneuver where Axe puts the opponent across his knee and smash drops the elbow from the second rope on him. And when they, when that ref counts three, I want people to watch it because this is the moment that nobody talks about that. Every single 68,000 people, every one of them jumped up on their feet and cheered demolition, winning the tag titles for the third time. And it's legitly a really cool, if you like crowd pops, you know, like if I, I really love when the crowd pops. This place is going crazy! Bobby Heenan over trying to free the giant. Can he make it in time? Look at Andre, he's tied up, he can't get there! There it is! Over for the cover! It's over! New tag team champion! The winners of this cup! And new because I feel like that's a, the ultimate tribute to that moment. Uh, whoever booked that did a great job. The performance it's, did a great uh, job. It's the most realist time in wrestling. Yeah, it's like the, the, the crowd approves of this moment. Like it's a yes. pop. And that this pop that they get is pretty fucking fantastic. And the match was only number two on the card. Uh, Coco and uh, uh, the model opened the card and then went right to the tag title. So it wasn't like it was booked to be a big moment. But this this moment of demolition when the tag titles for the third time and and that moment, just go back and watch it when the crowd when the ref counts three. It's pretty fucking phenomenal. And Nick, nobody talks about that's that's what I'm talking about to set the tone for this. And some might be bigger or not as big as that moment. But that's a moment to me because like it, demolition was over and like they they did back then. It's hard to relate to now. If someone in their 20s is listening to this podcast now, they're like, what's a moment? Because like, it never happens anymore, really. Like, they do, but they don't. Like, 
but but winning the title for a third time, I know Jericho is like 527 reigns mm-hmm. into the Intercontinental title, and Jerry Lawler won the USWA title 572 times, and you know, like uh, Randy Orton is a 10-time world champion, and you know, uh, John Cena can if he wins it one more time, will tie Ric Flair's record. All horseshit, man. Like back here, like titles meant something. When you won something for a third time, it's it like the company. Be- it, well, the company believed in you. It's like getting a big promotion at work. You know, you get promotions at work, and you get raises, and and you get to be put over other people, over departments, because you are an asset to the company, and you bring in a greater revenue to some extent. Well, that's what it meant when you got a wrestling title back in the day. Like you, that means you sold the most merchandise for the most part, or the the company said, okay, this gimmick can really appeal to these people. And like, they can really get over and we can spike ratings. We can, you know, get people to come to house shows. We can get people to buy more pay-per-views because this particular tag team or singles wrestler has fill in the blank championship. And that meant a lot. So when to demolition to I, the wild Samoans record, like was a really big deal. And I, it wasn't, it was talked about Ventura and gorilla talked about it. And it, I think it was talked about a little bit on superstars of wrestling leading up to it, but sure. it wasn't like, you know, now they hype it, you know, they'll have a, a you know, two minute video package of it, you know, but now, but back then it's funny. It's ironic. Now we have the best video packages ever for uh, just flavor of the month product right now. Just to build yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Just to build up for the two second match. You're going to see. Yeah. The, the, the you, know, you, uh, you talked about merch, Jess, and it's kind of funny because back in those days, all you had was like demolition across your shirt and their faces. I mean, just imagine if they sold uh, dominatrix merchandise with demolition on it, it would have just made a killing, you know, I'm just saying well, especially during the attitude era, you can fucking make a pretty penny. You know what? They should probably think about it now. You know, I bet they'd sell the shit out of stuff with a WWE logo on it. And it's just, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the crop holders and the, you know, the whips and chains. I think they, I think they do quite well. I, I still find it amazing that when you look back on these guys, like you said, if you, if you put a 22 year old kid to watch a demolition match, I'm like, why the fuck are they wearing stuff where <laughs> like, yeah, you you're, would, sitting, back at you're sitting there you're just like fucking. They're, like wearing, they're, wearing, they're wearing shit that they would, you know, go and have yeah. dominatrix sex with their wife in the bedroom. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're wearing black they're spiked sex- underwear. To with, sex with, with, with with assless chaps on. Yeah. They just, yeah. And then like, yeah, it's really funny. It's it's um, well, not, not only will the 20 year old think that's funny, but I mean, just in general, just the value of a title. Like people now are like, yeah, whatever. You know, New Day is nine time tag champion. Yeah. They're tag- like, and it's like, they I want them to be the most. Like, they want them. And to I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not downing New Day. It's just like, but back here, it meant something. Now, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's put on you. So when people say, "Wow, what does it matter?" It's scripted to be put on them. Well, I would agree. Within the last ten years, that's true. But before that, you actually had to draw. That wasn't the, the case. Yeah. Like again, like like a top executive would in an office, you know, to get promoted to you know vice president of sales or whatever. You know, like you had to produce. You had to make money for that company. So when you got a title put back on you, like I said, when you got a title put on you back in the day. You advanced the company. Like, I can't stress and, that enough. And that makes it a competition. There's a reason why Brock still holds the strap from time and time again. There's maybe there's I, 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 I dispute it now. I don't think the titles mean as much now. No. I think it's convenient. And I'm, I like, I love Brett or Brett. <laughs> I love Brett too, but I'm, I love Brock. <laughs> and I think Brock's doing a great job. And, and for a part time wrestler, like, no, you're thinking I, about. I, I like that less is more. I like, I like that a lot. Every and time think, he comes in, bro, it means something. It really I, think, does. Bro, I think Brock is so convincing too. I mean, but that's, you know, that's a topic for another thing. But sure. I mean, like, 
But I, I'd say something stupid. I don't necessarily think they put the title on Brock now because he draws the most money. I think they're paying him the most yeah. money and they want to get the best use out of him. That's the difference between today's wrestling and yesterday's wrestling is, yeah, Hogan might have made a lot of money, but Hogan drew the majority of the fucking house for the most part. Exactly. Back in the That's course. why Hulk was champ for four years. That's why. Yep. All agreed. All agreed. Yeah, I, I don't have any problem talking about the topic. I don't have any disagreement with it based on the time and era. Um, do you want to talk about something we we could disagree on? This is gonna get dirty in this motherfucker. I'm just saying. So let's let's talk about underrated moment, but we're really gonna disagree as to why it's underrated. I want to talk about you want you want to talk about Edge and Foley. You want to talk about? Oh, it? Come on, man. Well, I thought we're supposed to talk about like moments. Why are you gonna shit on the moment? It's not it's not a bad moment. What's what what are you talking about the moment of demolition? You're talking about. No, I'm talking about what you because you're gonna bash edge. So I mean like that's no, I, I, no, I'm not gonna bash it. You're like <laughs> holding the football. I promise, I promise Charlie I will. Brown. Kick the football, Charlie Brown, and you're gonna fucking move the football. I feel you're like gonna move, you're gonna move it on me, motherfucker. You're supposed, you we're about? supposed to be talking about like mania moments that are underrated, not moments that Dave hates Edge for and he wants to talk about the other person. No, it is an underrated, to me, it's an underrated moment. moment. We just disagree as to why. I mean, okay. are you gonna uh, deny that? You know, I, you're right. I should open my ears. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Open my ears, close my mouth. So no, I, I, is, that, is that is that actually possible? I'm just like no, it's not. Yeah. But go ahead, <laughs> just start yelling um, in the middle I'm of tying, it. I'm tying my shoes right now. Take advantage. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> oh my god, and get a drink and take a piss. Um, all right, so you know, and by the way, guys, I had to be told, hey, day before you totally underestimate yourself in your judgment. You need to watch this match. When I watched the match, at, it's WrestleMania 22. We're talking about Edge versus Foley. I, you don't call it no holds barred. Basically, a no DQ match, just fucking out everywhere in the world. You know, any weapon counts. Everything goes. And I have to tell you that I was absolutely intrigued. Edge had great, uh, just he had this way about him. It was it was different from when he would come into a regular match. He looked possessed. He looked. Like this, this shit matters. Like he looked angry the entire time coming into it. Um, I'm not a fan of his pacing, but you know it's kind of weird. But you know, Jess can talk about why that matters or if that doesn't matter. And I'm making a big deal out of nothing. But there's just weird stuff about Edge that I don't really appreciate. But and then and then Foley comes down, you know, and he's Foley and he's great and he, he's a lump, but we love him. And you notice that he's he looks like he's put on a little, a little extra poundage in the last week. You can't figure it out. Is he wearing an extra shirt? What's going on? What happened? You know, you're trying to figure it out. And all through the while, you know, just to give you a, a recap of the match and, and I'll, I'll miss some spots. So you guys need to need to pick up where I left off. But one of the things that I absolutely loved was Edge uh, went ahead and speared fully and he just starts writhing in pain. You're like, What happened? What's going on? I don't get why it hurt. It hurt Edge more than it hurt Foley. He speared him like really good. It's an excellent spear. Edge is looking to end this matchup quickly. This early on. He hit, he hit it. The spear. Edge hit the spear. Edge, Edge may have perhaps dislocated his shoulder. Hit that spear. I mean, this has been all Edge thus far. Taking the hard yeah, fight. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You're right. Edge is hurt worse than Foley here. Maybe a lucky break for Mick Foley. And all of a sudden, Foley gets up, takes one shirt off, and starts unraveling barbed wire from around his entire torso and says, this is why. And by the way, I'm going to take this. I'm going to wrap it around 
myself and I'm going to beat the shit out of you with it. I mean, that's just one aspect of the match that people tend to forget about. And you're like, oh, my God, this is absolutely brutal. And then you have the, the bat. Well, can I, bar bar. I don't mean to yeah. interrupt, but can I go, please for a go ahead? Yeah. It's called, and I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who are actually puzzled by this moment. It's called psychology. I know it's of course. crazy. Yeah, I know absolutely. it's crazy. Yeah. I, and people don't don't know what it is now. And it's hard, you know, because if there's not 25 high spots and people kicking out of people's finishers 32 times in a row, it's not a good match. So this is called us. psychology where they built it, where it was a matter. It was so like, good. It was like Bret Hart putting the metal pan on his chest when Goldberg speared him in WCW, which I'm sure where they kind of in, got inspiration from a little bit on that. And where all of a sudden Goldberg's not moving and you're like, what? Goldberg just speared the shit out of him. How did that happen? And Bret gets up and lifts his shirt up and there's a metal pan. Like That's under, fantastic. It's hokey, but I mean, it, it makes sense. It, it's it, Again, you got to kind of suspend disbelief. But he, he was able to humanize Goldberg without yes. having a real match with yes. him. Yes, and it's say, it was the same yeah. thing. Go on, I don't want to take up. Oh, but no, 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 no. psychology. And, and, and yeah. so it's false on, on so many deaf ears nowadays. It's like, man, like, it, it, yeah, it, they, did do, they did do death-defying spots, but really... But they had like well, the, four uh, or five bright spots in the match. But for the most part, it was a thumbtack match. It was a trash can. Yeah, match. there, so there like, was. And honestly, that was before. that was the only hard spot that Edge took, in my opinion. Like Foley took the stair shot. Foley took the lit up table shot. Foley was the one that got burned. Foley was the one that got cut and ripped and bled to shreds. You know, Foley took a well, lot. What, of what are you labeling right now? Lot. Are you labeling this match as like a? Like an uncelebrated match, or the the yes, final moment, very, no, very, or the, very or the final moment you mentioned. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to say because when I watched it, there there wasn't one spot to me that was, wow, that's the that's the great portion that's entirely underrated. There were some spots that fully did the psychology piece. There was the absolute heinous stare uh, shot that he took. Uh, there was, and then the uh, the lit table shot that he took uh, that. Even it was just the entire match itself. When you watch back on it and you realize it's a mid card match and what they did to each other. And, you know, it's absolutely incredible to me and entirely underrated. And you guys convinced me on that. And, and I'll admit to that. Um, it's just, you know, and, and we can go in and you can add to it too, Jess. I just, and cause to jump in any time. I think where I disagree on why it's so great, I'm thinking it's like 99% Foley. Um, and I know there's a lot of Edge fans out there that would kick my ass. Uh, and full and Edge is a great man. And I, we, we talked about this earlier. Just Edge is slightly out of my top 10. He's definitely a Hall of Famer, totally worthy, but not in my top 10. It's just, it's an opinion. I just, I have issues. You know, some people don't like that. But when I watch the match, maybe that's the bias of it. I really believe that. Edge could not have done the majority of the stuff that he did. And he took the tax. The tax are brutal, by the way. I don't, good God. He probably had like a couple hundred tax in his back. It seemed like it was so bad. But fully in itself, this is, this is the man that creates matches like this that you will always remember. And the only reason why this is kind of underrated is because of the triple threat match for the world title towards the end of it, which was absolutely insane. And someone like Ray Mysterio winning the title. So it kind of overshadows a fantastic no disqualification match like this. But I just, the only thing that we disagree on, I think is that I think it's more fully than edge. It's not a 50, 50 thing to me. I think fully controls that. I think fully puts this together. I think fully sacrifices his body. Like he always does to make this as great as it is. Um, but that's my opinion. I don't know where you guys want to jump in on that. Cause God damn it. What do you think? I thought, uh, edge, 
had a good part to do with that match, actually. He sold his part. You know, he took his bumps. He still had, you know, the spear, that's him. That's him doing it, too. But, I mean, McFoy, yeah, McFoy, you know, he takes he takes the biggest, uh, the more risks, I guess, out of the two. But still. That's he has to, by the way. He has to do it because I don't think it's like that big of a landslide. 90, 90, what did you say, 90%? Fully? That's like 80, 80, 80 percent. I mean, I think I think it is like the fully prototype match. And fully, I think you probably led what, it, of course. Yeah, what they did yes. was leading up to it. It's fully never really got not never really. He never got his WrestleMania main event. He always wanted that, you know. Um, and then he got it at WrestleMania two thousand. Um, but it was that four way match with the McMahon in every corner. But what happened was is fully in February of that year of two thousand four. Fully lost uh, a retirement match at No Way Out 2002 Triple H, right. yeah, uh, where they redid the Hell in the Cell thing, and it, yep. it was following their amazing street fight from the Royal Rumble 2000. Great and, match, and uh, fully lost, which is a fantastic match, and uh, fully lost the No Way Out match a month later, and uh, that was it. And then McMahon before WrestleMania 2000, and this is behind the scenes. What really kind of felt guilty, like fully retired, fully was serious. He was like, I might come back here and there for a couple of matches here and there, but I'm done. Like I, I've done everything I need to do. And like, you know, again, if you don't really see me as a main event guy or like your guy, I get that, but I'm done. I'm done. Put my body on the line and I, I'm done. I, I, I feel, I feel that we, you've taken advantage of me and I've taken advantage of you, of you in the best way possible. And we got, I gotta go, I gotta retire. So they did. Vince agreed. And then Vince had second thoughts. Like, I really feel bad that Foley never had his mania moment. So they booked the four way. And then uh, Linda McMahon in storyline came out and said, I'll be I'm going to be, you know, Shane, you're in Big Show's corner. Stephanie's in Triple H's corner. Vince is in uh, uh, The Rock's corner. So I'm going to be in someone else's corner. I'm going to be in and not Cactus Jack's corner, not Mankind's corner, not Dude Love's corner. I'm going to be in Mick Foley's corner. So they brought him out as like. First ever, he was Mick Foley. He was always the other guys that I mentioned, but he's Mick Foley this one. But it, he was he didn't really know until like a month before that he was going to be put in the match. So he really got super out of shape between No Way Out and, and that, which is only like a month and a half. But he must have really carved the fuck up like yeah. in a month and a half because he was really he cut his hair short. He yep. didn't want to be Mick Foley or he didn't want to be Cactus Jack anymore. He cut his hair short. He was just going to be dad, you know, Foley. Uh, really, that's what he's bang, just going to do. He's going to retire and go off on the sunset. And um so they coaxed him to come back. They gave him a great mania payday and said, you know, you're going to be in the main event. You'll actually get your dream. Well, he was so out of shape that there's a particular spot where uh, he puts, I, I can't remember who he put on the table. I think it might've been the rock or triple H, it was triple H I think. And he, he was supposed to jump from the second rope oh, we'll on the, the corner and jump onto the table on the outside. Yeah, I think it was But he was H. so out of shape at this point that he fell like a foot short and barely his <laughs> yeah. wrist barely caught the table. And and he and he said in his book that he was super ashamed of that because here he gets this chance to wrestle his only WrestleMania main event. And he fucking shows up out of shape, not looking like himself. And he falls oh, a foot short on a jump that he would have made like a year ago. So it always haunted him. And he knew that he would never get the main event spot again. So years later, um, which is what, 2006 was 22, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 2006 was 22. And he comes out of retirement and does a program with Edge. And uh, and he really said, I I'm not going to be the main event here, but I'm I want my moment. And like he wouldn't be denied. And that's when he designed, you know, they've been doing the they did the the I think they did the fire table in ECW once, and they also did the fire table in a lot of indie promotions leading up to that. It was just kind of a hot thing. You put the fucking table on fire. So Foley said, "I want you to steer me through a flaming table," and Edge is like, "Huh?" And he's like, "Yeah, fucking let's just do it." 
that's what that's my moment. I want that to be. So not only did that, like Dave said, they have like really good other moments where like Edge speared him, but Edge got hurt, and you're like, why is Edge hurt? And he takes the barbed wire out from around him. That was a great moment. Um, yeah, him putting the barbed wire around uh, Sako and sticking it yeah. in Lita's yeah. mouth, and Lita blading her mouth was fantastic. Lita blading oh, yeah, her for lip, sure. make it look like it was awesome. Like that, there were so many great moments in that match. Uh, on top of it being a normal hardcore match they add it and then the flaming table at the end where uh fully was on the apron on the outside and then lead a table on fire and edge speared him through their middle ropes and did all that and pinned him so it wasn't about winning for foley it was about being you know i wanted my moment i wanted my wrestlemania moment and unfortunately a lot of people don't talk about it to this day but to, to foley that was his kind of cap on his career i think he he did come back uh, one more time, was it? Oh, no, he already, WrestleMania 20 had already happened at that point. So, yeah, that might have been his last. He fought Flair, I think, in 2006 of that year. I think at SummerSlam, right? And I think that was, I think that was Foley's last ever WWE match. Like, he would just come out every now and then to do a match or whatever and, and just leave. And But that was really it. And he really, at WrestleMania, he wanted that moment for himself. He wanted to be like, I did something and and sadly we're putting it on this list because it's an underrated moment. But I in my mind, I, I will always remember it because I think that I think that Foley's not celebrated in general as much as he should be because he was totally different. Like we can we can say the rock is the same as Hogan, or we can say that Austin is the same as fill in the blank, or we can say that Cena is just like Hogan or The Rock or whatever. But I there's nobody that was like Mick Foley. And Mick Foley was so smart and so intelligent and so, and he was a, just a goddamn good professional wrestler because he loved the sport and he loved the psychology of it. And and he just loved telling stories. And I think that those people cater. I, I cater to those people and I, I hold those people near and dear to me because like that's why I love wrestling. So it doesn't matter if he's a rock or not. He was never the rock. He was Mick Foley. He was Cactus Jack. He was Dude Love. He was Mankind. And he did the most creative stuff I've ever seen ever in the since I've been watching wrestling since 1987, I don't I haven't seen really many other people that have been like, God, that was like he made that moment. He forced it in a good way. Like he forced it like that's just because he's that good. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. There's I mean, many people Mick, can't say that. Mick, it's not Mick. It's not for his physical, his, his actual physique or his lack thereof. He gets knocked for his lack of athletic ability. Um. And a lot of people just want to turn their eyes from that. They don't, I don't want to watch this. And what they don't like to your point, just the understanding of making a great story come to life and doing things that no one else is willing to do. While there's a lot of um, wrestling diehards out there, like those kind of matches are just ridiculous or over the top. They're dangerous. Um, but when you look at that match, it wasn't as dangerous as you think. It's actually pretty safe. And it told a pretty good story actually an, an outrageously good story. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. This, this is Mick Foley one one This is taking you to school. Like, it's, if, you, like if you said it's, it's not, it looks really dangerous and fully earlier in his career did a lot of really dangerous shit. Mm-hmm. And, and because he, I, he was trying to, but then he learned it after a while when it kind of became part of the art form fully was the master of it. He kind of created a lot of it. And so it became this safe match where both guys I'm sure were bruised and sore. Sure the next day but like you said it was really controlled when you really watch it and again that's how good Foley was I think he put the bow on his career nicely which you know I'm sad because it made this list because we're talking about underappreciated moments but I appreciate it and I think it, we all it think, needs but, to be talked about yeah like it, this was a his his body of work is amazing I mean think he comes into this promotion 
where Jim Ross begged and begged and begged Vince to take him. Vince is like, oh, this guy's fucking fat. No, like, yeah. he's dangerous. He's crazy. And then when they first talked to him fully, like, Vince is like, he fucking talks like a normal person. And Jim's all, yeah. What do you think? He's really that guy? That's how good he is. He's making you think he's fucking insane. And then, like, he gets right in there. He gets put with the fucking Undertaker, which he can crush your career in a second if he doesn't like you. And he's like, God, this guy's fully good. So much, in fact, that after Michaels won his first world title when he beat Brett at Mania 12, Foley was like his first big opponent. And they had that amazing match at Mind Games in your house. Yeah. And Michael, Michael said in his book, Great, like, I, I was nervous to get in the ring with this guy. But then when he started talking to me and he was like hounding me about like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. He realized like, oh, shit, this guy's a genius. This guy's fucking yeah. amazing. Like, he's that good. Like, oh, wow. And then, you know, because his his exterior was out of a frumpy, round guy who was dressed as like this crazy person that would rip his hair out of his head. And yeah, like, he's, and, not, and, he's not Sabu, then, bro. Yeah, he's not he Sabu. Get, he get actually has a wrestling acumen, you know? Yeah, and actually, I agree with that 100%. I know a lot of people love Sabu, but I, I never saw anything special about him outside of him actually almost killing himself for somebody else every time. Exactly. Like, I... You can see you can go on the internet and see how many flubs Sabu had, and some people like that, and they they like that reckless recklessness to wrestling, and they like that you know he just was so improv. But I'm like, eh. Or you can go with somebody like Mick Foley, who actually I'll knew take, how to tell. I'll wrestling. take Cactus over Sabu who, every who, time. Who did that violence time. and did that violence? But he understood like I got to tie it in somehow to the storyline. I got to make it you know a part of it. It has to but it has I, to make sense. But I got to accentuate my other guy. It's not about just me bouncing off the ropes and jumping off a ta- jumping off a chair into my opponent which Sabu made it all about him whereas Foley's like it's going to be I'm going to take a lot of punishment and I'm going to do a lot of things but I'm going to tie it into what this other guy is good at and I'm gonna, we're going to tell a story in this match it's going to be it's going to lead to something you know and, like and by the way did they did my, they make the right did they, right, did they make the right move at the end they made the right move where they said look Foley's pretty much done here and this is Edge time. It's, it's his time to go over. So he put the young buck over, right? And one thing I'll say about Edge that, that is complimentary to this whole thing is Edge is quite malleable to any situation. And I think he said, "I trust you. Let's go." You know, and that's that's Edge. You know, you gotta you gotta appreciate that because that's not a match that Edge is accustomed to. It's not a match that Edge would go. Let me let's draw this up. That's not that's not. This is not who Edge is, but Edge is like, okay, um, I think that you're right, and I think that this is going to be great, and I love your barbed wire idea, and I love the table idea. Let's do it. And I think a lot of people at the end, especially when Foley got really like a big veteran and people really understood who he was, I think people like wanted to. Like Triple H in that match at Royal Rumble 2000, Triple H is like, he knew like, I'm going to get the shit beat out of me, aren't I? Like, and he knew it. He got backdropped on that crate and he fucking punctured his calf. And like, and that was not planned, obviously. But yeah, Triple H took the thumbtacks. Triple H took like all this stuff. And it was just a beating that he took because, you know, he was going to go over in the end. But at the same time, I think that was Triple H trying to show everyone like in the back, like, all right, I'm going to let this guy beat the living shit out of me. And I'm going to wrestle his match because I almost felt like you had to go through that with Foley for Foley, A, for Foley to respect you. But for B, for you just to see that side of what wrestling is and what Foley really did and people that i think went through that process with foley were like wow no this guy's pretty much a genius like he pretty much is fantastic like he knows what he's doing in here like you know and that's i i think all those years later when flair finally wrestled foley i think flair finally got it oh he is pretty good because for years flair was like no he's a stunt man yeah he's not good there's no psychology but then i think when he really got finally when they're both were super old in 2006 
Like I think Flair went through it and Flair took thumbtacks. Flair went through the Foley boot camp. Flair took the thumbtacks. Flair took this. Flair took all that. And so Flair, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but yeah, so did Orton. And, uh, and that was a good, good a beating great, for Orton to take because he was a rookie. He had to learn. Great match. And, um, and I think even Foley, I, I, don't, I don't think Foley wrote it anywhere. Or not Foley, sorry, Flair. I don't think Flair wrote it anywhere. But I think Flair at the end was like, well, fuck, this guy does have a method to his madness, doesn't he? He is good. Like, and I probably should have listened to him years ago. But, you know, I, I think this match is a tribute to Foley. I, I love the selection, you know, for this topic. And I think that, uh, that both that Edge did his job. But you're right. It was more of a Foley clinic. And I think it was more fully kind of putting the bow on his career. And it was a moment and a match on both combined. That well, he had, uh, now he'd, come a long, he'd come a long way from uh, the bull. Or no, I'm sorry. The other uh, Bulldogs, the shit, the Steiners breaking his fucking jaw. Right. Came a long fucking way. Bulldog, it was Bulldogs. It was Bulldogs. It was, it was Bulldogs. Oh, I was right the first time. Would, I, my you, apologies. Uh, would you agree with Dave that it was 90 percent Foley? No, no. I think that. I think that fully uh, called the match. Here. I think ba- Dave is he's, he's biased against bit. like like two people for sure. Three people. <laughs> <laughs> two people and and someone's uh, style choice. He's against AJ's hair. He's against Braun Strowman and he's against Edge. Those Bro, three people. I, I, I said I said AJ's hair should have its own Instagram. How is that? And mean you were clearly mocking his hair, his hair Dave. Clearly <laughs> mocking. Bro, it, it would have 2 million followers tomorrow, more than the network, I swear to God. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't understand how he keeps You know that's true, it. though. But I don't know. Like, before he got to WWE, I don't... I, he had long hair before, I thought, in TNA. No, like, it didn't, not it didn't look ridiculous. It didn't look ridiculous like this. It's weird. He, he, has, to, he has to carry a flat iron wherever he goes, bro. It's just... It's a lot of work. No, I bet, like, the makeup ladies, I bet he sits in the chairs. Like, you know, you see all the divas on their Instagram account going, thanks, Catherine, for the good makeup. I would love, I would love to see that. Thanks, Catherine, for the good flat iron. That shit needs to make it onto a divas episode, like, tomorrow. You know, he's like, Karen, Karen, do your worst or best or whatever you feel like Speaking of uh, WrestleMania 2000, you're talking about the final four Is this your moment, cuz? Are you nominating a moment right now? Yeah. God damn. I was going to say, because we're on that page. I, I actually want to go back to uh, WrestleMania 22, right? Uh, what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. WrestleMania 22, yeah. Uh, there's a match there I want to go back to, but since we're on the uh, Foley, we were on the Foley Final Four match, uh, there was another great match that happened that year that was underrated. Angle defending the European and Intercontinental Champion in a two out of three falls match. Uh, the Euro Chris Continental Benoit title. Get and Jericho. The Euro, one the of my Euro favorite matches. Season. Yep, one of my favorite matches of all time. That was good. That was actually another match that nobody talks about because That's I really overall I think WrestleMania 2000, besides the TLC match, um, was kind of flat. Like for the most part, even the four corners match was eh. Like, yeah. It was good. It was all right. And Triple H broke the record. It, uh, heel had never won a main event in WrestleMania history up until that point, and Triple H won, so he was the first heel ever. Um, funny it was him, huh? <laughs> so, but, uh, but honestly, like Triple H earns it. I, I, I time to play the game. But no, I agree with you. I I think that a lot of people don't talk about the triangle match, and it was it was awesome because it was the year two thousand, and um, uh, Jericho had come from WCW in ninety nine, and Benoit just had came over what a month before, two months before. Yeah. Like it was Benoit was new. They hadn't even really flushed his character out of him yet. If you, if they ever did, but you know what, you know what to me, yeah, to me, to his Testament, I, I remember it big time because of the, uh, 
uh, you can say psychology of Kurt Angle, because when he lost that <clears throat> the Intercontinental in the first fall, like the you you know just like oh, how, well, how he plays, like how he's just right, disappointed yeah. and shit. It was, like it was um, the way he plays. The first it. fall was for the what was the first fall for the IC belt or the, yeah, the, the IC belt Jericho or uh, sorry yeah. Benoit did a headbutt to Jericho a diving headbutt and he pinned him. So it was a three-way match, and there was yeah. two falls that were going to be allowed in the match. Falls, yeah. The first one was going to be for – so it was two matches in one, basically. It was basically. a three-way match, but it was for both titles. But each title had to be decided in a separate fall. So whoever won the first fall was going to be Intercontinental Champion. Whoever won the second fall was going to become the European Champion. Sorry, I just wanted to – No, no, no. It just it, – that, No, no, no you're pissed. pissed. It's <laughs> incredibly interesting, honestly. No, it's great. But no, I'm, I'm just saying like Angle, like to me, like that's what makes me remember – what sticks out to me and why I remember – uh, uh, mainly is because of Angle, his psychology, the the facial expression, extreme disappointment, like when the he lost frustration, the like the, or like the almost like crying face, like when he would pin someone, they kick out, and then like he kind of had like almost like a crying looking face, like you know, like he's selling it big time, like, but I just did, I just gave him everything I got, and he still kicked out, like you know, like that that type of look, like he to me he that's why it sticks out in my mind is because of him, but obviously too because it was a great match, and you had two other greats, Jericho and Benoit, but like that's yeah. what sticks out in my mind personally. Hit that that headbutt from the top. Will this be enough? Yes, and Benoit is the Intercontinental Champion. The winner of the fall and new Intercontinental Champion, Chris Benoit. Way to go! And Benoit, the specialist, just it's seamless. There's no interruption here now that the Intercontinental. There's so much. There's just so much talent in that match, and I think to your point, I think a lot of people don't understand. And again, I'm a homer, so you guys have to cut me off and say, Dave, shut the fuck up. But I'm a homer for Angle. We talked about this earlier. I'm a big time homer for Kurt Angle, but he, he is a great collegiate wrestler and, and a great catch wrestler. He can do anything in that ring, right? So he was easily adaptable, learned a lot of things quickly, quicker than any other person out there and got onto the scene really fast. But there's a lot of things when, like you said, when you get that two county kicks and Angle's got that emotion, like, oh my God, how did he kick out of that? Like, Angle can sell that better than just, I don't want to say anyone, but Angle is one of the top sellers Dude, to of me, those yeah. kind of moments. Yep. And you wouldn't, he's a wrestler. Yeah, he's a collegiate wrestler. He's not supposed to have that kind of emotion. It doesn't work that way. He would just go back to work, but Angle somehow either listening to somebody or, or figuring out on his own more so, and more than likely he probably listened to someone. Hey, you need to sell this. And he was able to understand that. That's the kind of stuff that, he, he might get, he might've gotten told that, but you can't really teach that. And that's where angle just, I'm telling you, man, he's, you want to talk about underrated people. He's under, he's in my top five, but I guarantee you he's not in a lot of people's top 10. And, and I can't understand that because he had everything. He had the which ability, is, which is ridiculous because on a side note, mm-hmm. I believe, and this is like a, a lot of people will be like, you're, you're insane. But if you're going to tell me that someone has beaten Ric Flair as the greatest entering performer of all time, and it's not Shawn Michaels, I say it's Kurt Angle. Because That's insane. Like, I, yeah, when you, when, you, I, when you think about that, I, I, I like insane. Michaels. I like my, I, you know, I talk a lot of shit on Michaels now, my problems with him, but I have to give him his due because it, Michaels is pretty incredible. But I think, well, the type of wrestling I like to watch I think the person that has been better than Flair, and 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 that's a hell of a statement to say. I mean, Ric Flair said one hell that is Kurt Angle. If someone's gonna say 
like who beats Flair as the greatest wrestler of all time? My answer is if you have to, if you have to name someone, you can't say nope, it's still Ric Flair. You can't say that. You have to name someone. It's not Shawn Michaels that'll come out of my mouth. It'll be it's Kurt Angle every mm-hmm. time. Like, cause see, yeah, I think he did. I think he did. I think people like to discount what he did in TNA, which I think is nuts because mm-hmm. it's about, it's about someone's body of work. And he put young guys over there and adapted to younger uh, Desmond Wolf, who is a uh, uh, Nigel McGinnis. Did I say his name right? Yeah. That, that, that those two, if you go back and watch that match in TNA, he was Desmond Wolf in, in TNA and he fought Kurt Angle. Their first match out was a fucking classic. It was insane. And that is Angle adapting to a, a different style, a British style and a younger style of pro wrestling. And Angle hung right in there with him. And Desmond Wolf slash Nigel is super was super talented, was like a, a, a talent on his own level, like for the most part. But Angle adapted to that indie style. He adapted to AJ style. He adapted to Samoa Joe style. Like he did all this stuff. How in the world that you can say that like Angle's on up there, right there with Flair? If you want to put mm-hmm. Flair and Michaels on the pedestal, I say like you have Angle pretty much uh, like if, if, I, if you have a statue of a pedestal and you have Michaels and Flair standing at the top of it, you have a stone statue of Kurt Angle grabbing both their ankles to pull them the fuck off that pedestal. Because like I think he's that close. I think he's that close to them. But anyway, I like the choice because I, I, we were talking about the Foley. You had to go through the Foley House of Hardcore, right? You sure. were Edge, you were Edge that went through that grind. You were Flair. You were uh, 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 Orton. You were Triple H. They went through the House of Hol- the Foley to earn their you know Hardcore badge. I think that this was the WWE House of Hardcore in the sense of not Hardcore wrestling, but you had Benoit who for a long time, people were like, he needs to go to WWF. He's got to. He's like the best wrestler. For a long time, people were saying outside of WWE, like this guy named Chris Benoit who wrestles in Japan. And then he came, you know, he dabbled yeah. with WWE. Pegasus. He's like the best. He's the best wrestler in the world. Like he's that good. People regarded him for a while, Benoit, as the best wrestler in the world. And Jericho was another guy who was in Japan, in Mexico, who was like one of the best in the world. So they go to WWE and Angle who only knows the WWE style and it's a tribute to how talented angle was angle, put them through the WWE house of hardcore, because he's like, you have to learn how to work on our level. You have to have a big personality. You have to have broader moves because you, we we're flashy. We're a show. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, and angle put them through that. So it's a good selection by cause this match, because mm-hmm. he put two of the best wrestlers in the world that the Indies were raving about that Mexico loved, that Japan loved, that WCW held, you know, dear to their hearts for a while. And then he brought them in and you think, Oh, Jer- Jericho and Benoit are going to steal the show. And actually angle stole the show because angle put them through the WWF ringer. He showed them, no, this is how you do. It. Like, this is what you do. I would like to follow it up after that though. After that match, once we're done talking about this match. Oh yeah. So before you do, cause are, are you saying just that, that Benoit and Jericho wouldn't have had the success they had in WWE without Angle, quote unquote, showing them the ropes. No, I think this just happens to be the match that did it for them for the most part. That's I think where that they, it would happen. It would happen eventually anyway. 
Um, because but this was, when they had this match, it was like a no-brainer. This is you how know, you ben, get to Benoit, do it. You know, Benoit and Jericho, ironically, were the tag team that beat Austin and Triple H tonight. The Triple H was quad, but that was a that was a oh. WWE milestone for those two because it was a they put them over that night, and it was like another graduation. You know, Jericho went through his hardship. There was a while where Jericho was actually wrestling really bad in WWE. Because like they were really putting pressure on him, and I'm not saying that's right all the time. I, I well, they built him up. They built him up pretty high. Yeah, well, but, yeah, but Vince would break you down like the military just to build you back up his way, you know. And I, I get that works for some people, and I'm I'm against it to, with some people for sure. But that's what they did with Jericho anyway, and they kind of did it with Benoit to where they like. But then when Paul Heyman started writing and they put him with Kurt Angle, all of a sudden you had magic, which mm. stemmed from this match in 2000 because Benoit and Angle didn't end up wrestling until later. Like against each other in the SmackDown, you know, brackets like 2003, 2004, like somewhere around that. So, um, so like it, it opened the door for a lot of them. I, I think they would have had the same success, but I think that it just happened to be Kurt Angle was part of this moment that put him through. Kurt Angle only knew the WWE way. And it's, it sounds uh, totally ridiculous, but when I finally got back into wrestling hardcore was when I actually watched it was a SmackDown, pretty sure it was SmackDown just Tuesday or I'm sorry, Thursday at the time. And it was, I turned it on and I happened to run right in the middle of a Benoit angle match. That's what did it. I mean, that's what tells you, you watch it and you're like, this is fucking good. I, I, don't, I don't even know the story. I don't even know what's going on. I'm watching these guys in the ring and it's just so fluid. It's just magic. And that's the kind of stuff where you're like, anybody who, fl- anybody who flipped the channels and saw that, there was a good chance they were going to leave the channel there. And that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that's powerful when you watch two people like that in the ring. So, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that, well, that's why you, that's why when you watch angle and the way he moves around all decrepit that he does now, that's why, that's why you, watch any, that's, you watch any angle match. We're just gives, so, yeah. yeah. Every part of his body, his fingers, his arms, his legs, like now are almost atrophied because. Yeah. And that's why we're just, we're, we're disappointed. Honestly, we're disappointed. We're just like, Oh my God, can we please just let him, go out to pasture and be an agent and be a legends contract and be on TV. And I would love it. You put an angle on TV with me. He can be on TV all day and he can carry it. I just, God, can you just, can you just big show him out, please just get him out of the ring. Yeah. Get him out. Like, and that's going to happen soon. Yeah. Yeah. In this whole, when, when, when they're doing this happen. whole venture to WrestleMania to have the final match, uh, in my opinion, it's like thank God, thank God, because I love Angle Finally, and I want old Yoda down. I just I wanted to be like I wanted to be around for a long time, bro. I want Angle to be around forever. I wanted to be that guy that where I'm old, he passes. You know, I, I want to see that when I'm like 80 and he's finally gone. It won't happen, but I, I just you know I I feel like he's given so much to the wrestling fan, and I, and I also feel like it's been taken for granted by a lot of people. Does that make sense? Well, because yeah, he went to he went to TNA, which is the only place you could go. After and that uh, point, yeah. it, it was it was not even what WCW was back no. in the day. You could go to WCW, which which on the other side of the United States was was not as big because Vince was always bigger for the most part, but like had a lot of audience, had a big audience, and it was a national show. And uh, but TNA was never a national show. It was just what kind of what yeah. kind of became up at one point to be sort of number two. And like it just he went there and he made a huge difference, in my opinion, if the management of of the company was better, it would have been a different story. But I mean, like, I don't discount what he did over there because I watched TNA because of Kurt Angle. I stayed watching TNA for all those years and he had some incredible matches with those guys like Sting, Jarrett, uh, AJ, AJ, especially 
um, Desmond Wolf, Samoa Joe. Like it was, it was amazing. Like Samoa Joe, his match with Samoa Joe, was all <laughs> classic. Yeah, Samoa all Joe. Just, just yeah. So what's your what's your other match, Cuz? Coco, beware in the model. You're right. I love it. Um, okay. <laughs> the next match I want to talk about, and it, it hits on all points. It hits on Kurt Angle. Uh, if we were talking about how Jericho and Benoit back then, you can say, I guess they were the equivalent to the indie darlings. But if we go back to WrestleMania 22, let's say we had the, uh, the darlings of the other side of the pond. And in this match, I'm talking about Kurt Angle versus darlings of the big time. Ray Mysterio and Randy Orton. Great match, I think. And I think it's very underrated. So you can say it's the opposite, but with Angle included in it, still. You can grab grab your beer and we'll discuss. You can come right back. I think Um, that's a great match, by the way. uh, My my, my thing is, um, when I started to look at the card, and I'm looking at the card solely, I'm not watching. I'm not watching back the entirety of WrestleMania 22. But that match seemed to me like that was the moment of that WrestleMania. Just I don't know if you feel the same way because I, I that triple threat was thumb. Because well, and then that's what I was sorry. That's what I, that I didn't get the the that I forgot about. And now, now that was the other point I wanted to make about that was, you know, you had the the best in the world uh, when it was Angle, Jericho, and Benoit. Like considered, you know, as far as WWE guy, you. you there was almost no one better than Angle. And then outside of WWE, if you wanted to name. You know, a couple guys. But in two thousand, at that point, at that point, Angle wasn't Angle yet. No, remember he lost. He he started late ninety nine, and he lost his undefeated streak to Taz at Royal Rumble two thousand. Yeah, Angle Angle wasn't. We look back now and we realize who he was, but he wasn't. Angle wasn't considered like the greatest in the world at that point. He was good. He was over. He was. Don't get me wrong. He was over. But like it was. uh, My comparison was more of like he was the WWF way from day one. Whereas Benoit and Jericho had to get broken and rebuilt, sort of. So maybe no, to your that, point, that's what is, I mean. No, that, no, 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 sorry. To your point, because it is underrated, right? No, it's an underrated match. But what what I mean was, uh, as far as Angle being in it, I just mean Angle being in it in general. As far as uh, two underrated matches for me, and um, as, as far as in ring work and wrestler uh, wrestling wise, Jericho, Benoit, and Angle. That's that's what I meant. As far as uh, being the best, you had the best of the uh, rookies, basically. Uh, in that match, Kurt Angle, Jericho, and Benoit. Angle, mm. Angle just being in the match is what I meant. But then when yeah. I met, um, like, like with the Angle versus Jericho, Benoit, Jericho, Benoit were those guys exactly. Those guys that had to break into the business. So you know, you that that's why I was saying they were the equivalent to what would be an indie darling today. You know, someone on the indies working their ass off, and that they want to see in WWE. So that's why I was saying the my other uh, underrated mo- favorite underrated moment or match, I should say, is Kurt Angle included in this match versus the other side of the pond in that these are two guys that are considered big time stars. And, you know, I wouldn't, I personally, I'm just being personal. Yeah, I would not, I would not list this match, but I, I give you props for mentioning in it because it is, this topic is about uh, like kind of underappreciated moments or even forgotten moments. If you want to translate it, like into something different. So yeah. I think it's a good choice. I wouldn't have chosen it, not because I'm criticizing it, but just because I don't think it would have came into my memory. Yeah. I don't think I would have thought of it. No. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Like to me and that I like, this is one of my favorite matches too. And uh, like, like I, I like how it's like, you you see angle he's in it with the, who would be considered Indy Darley's back then Jericho and Benoit. And then you see him 
with these guys who would be considered, you know, the top of as far as the elite of wrestling at that time, Orton and Rey Mysterio. And like just how great the matches were, both of them, and they're underappreciated. I love it. Just using my thoughts here. Kurt Angle is one of the guys I'm pulling from this moment. And I'm going to go back in time a little bit. Well, a lot of people talk about this WrestleMania and a lot of people talk about, talk about this is the perfect comparison between like a WrestleMania moment that we celebrate or, you know, talk about a lot versus something that we don't talk about. WrestleMania 20 was known for Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero celebrating at the end of the ring at the end of the night with Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero with the WWE Championship and Chris Benoit with the World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, it was a, a, a celebration in the sense of like they both came from, you know, indies. They came through WCW. They left WCW before the ship totally sank because they knew it was going to sink. And they 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 didn't sign with WWE because they had nowhere else to go. They chose to leave. And that meant a lot to Vince. And they had to learn the WWE way and they had to figure out, you know, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, rose above demons, you know, and all that stuff, drug addiction sure. and all that, and, and and came out better on the other side for it. Benoit had to learn. He was, like I said, he was regarded as the best in the world at one point. And everybody, you know, was like, Benoit, Benoit, Benoit needs to, God, he, he's, he, he's better than everybody. But he had to learn the way. He had to learn WWE way. And this uh, pay-per-view, WrestleMania 20, was known for that celebration with the confetti falling, both guys hugging, getting emotional. Nobody talks about it now because of what Benoit did. So nobody can really talk about it anymore, but nobody really talks about the moment I want to talk about was the matches that were leading up to it. I think people would be talking Mm -hmm. about three-way match with Benoit, Triple H and Shawn Michaels as one of the greatest of all time, because I believe it's the greatest WrestleMania triple threat match, because I know because you just talked about a triple threat match. But but this match was probably the greatest WrestleMania triple threat match ever including better than Daniel Bryan, Batista, and uh, Randy Orton from WrestleMania 30, which was really good as well. But this match was really like, if you go, they can't talk about it anymore because Benoit's a part of it and Benoit won. But if you go back and watch this match, what a fucking amazing triple threat match that was. It was fantastic. And you, I mean, when I, when I say the three people that are in it, you would you would not expect anything less. I mean, you talk about Benoit, you talk about Triple H, you talk about Shawn fucking Michaels. I mean, like this match was awesome. The ending sequence was just genius. Like the way Benoit finally got him. He backdrops, Chris Benoit backdrops Michaels over the top rope. Michaels is bleeding like a pig, by the way. And um, and he puts Triple H in the crippler cross face. So everyone's going tap. But the way the camera panned is you expect Michaels to pop up from, you know, the side of the ring that he got thrown over the top of and come in and break it up. And and so you had two different emotions going on. You had, oh my God, like Benoit, you've got to make him tap. you got to make him tap. Because at any moment, Shawn Michaels is going to fucking come back in this ring and break this up. you got to go. And then Triple H rolls him over to roll out of it. And then Benoit rolls him right back into it and ends up relocking the hold in the fucking middle of the ring. And then now you're like, okay, Michaels is definitely going to jump up. Definitely Michaels is going to pop up and break this up. And it doesn't, and Triple H taps. And the place goes fucking bonkers.
It's one of the best matches, one of the best ending sequences I've, I've seen at a WrestleMania. And so I take that match for my underappreciated moment, mainly because because of what Benoit did. Nobody talks about it anymore. But I want to put it in the same arena with earlier in the night, uh, Eddie Guerrero defended his WWE championship against Kurt Jesus, Angle in yeah. a match that nobody talks about. And the for ending sure. of this match, the ending of this match is so fucking creative and it fits Eddie Guerrero storyline and his character so well that like, I can't believe nobody talks about it. It's when they had a really solid match that told a really good story anyway, but the so ending good. of the match came when Benoit in the last five minutes, uh, angle kept locking on the ankle lock to Guerrero and Guerrero would just barely escape, whether it's get to the ropes or whatever, or, or you'll kick, he would kick angle off, but it was out of defense. It was out of like, I'm fucked. Right. So then he would keep un unlacing his boot little by little. And then finally, when Angle grabbed him, Eddie unlaced it all the way. And then um, Eddie uh, uh, flipped Angle on the outside of the ring. And then Eddie finished unlacing the boot 100%. And then yeah. it, it did this awesome moment where Angle jumps up, like comes up and looks over the ring apron and sees Eddie Guerrero, what you thought was nursing the injury. And then Angle gets that look in his eyes, like, I'm going to come after you now. I got you. And it was such an, it's, it's total WWE, which is this is the best. Like, you know, people make fun of Kevin Kelly and Vince McMahon with the shaking camera, and I hate that shit. But yeah. when they do stuff like this, like, when remember when Vince came up over the apron and he was all bloody against Hogan? Oh, and he so good. Face? Like, this was similar to that. Angle pops up, and they have a picture of him coming up, and he looks at Guerrero holding his ankle with his boot untied, and Angle's like, I fucking got you, fucker. And he comes back in the ring, and he grabs the ankle lock and pulls him in, and you think, oh, fuck, it's over. But then he jerks. Guerrero kicks with his other foot. The boot comes off in Angle's hand. And in the confusion, Angle's looking at the shoe like, why the fuck do I have Eddie's boot in my hand? And boom, Eddie rolls him up in a small package and pins him. Completely like a creative yeah. finish, but like, but it's total Eddie Guerrero. It's completely his character. And, then, and, and the whole time, the whole time, everyone's thinking, "Oh, he's unlacing his boot because his ankle's swelling." Yeah, yeah I, angle, I, angles I, put him in the hole like four times already. Yeah, you know? and like, and so nobody talks about that match and that ending. And I think though that's a that's an underappreciated WrestleMania moment slash match because both those matches, you know, culminated to make the ending scene that we all talk about the celebration, but nobody talked about because the celebration about, is not underrated. You're talking about the matches that led yeah, to it. Yeah, and the only clear. reason why nobody talks about the celebration now is because of again what Benoit did, and nobody talks about. I think people would talk about the triple threat match all the time if Benoit didn't do what he did and he was still alive or whatever. Um, but no, I don't think anybody really talk about the angle and, and Guerrero match and they should because it was a really, really good match. Like, so I, I nominate that those two combined that led up to the celebration. Oh! 
the celebration is what everybody talks about and remembers, but the match, especially the match with Guerrero and Angle, people should honor and think about. Because again, psychology, like just a great, what can we do that's been different? It's the middle of the card. It's not the last match. Well, I think it was second to last match, but it wasn't the last match. So what can we do? Like, what can we do to, it doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be a WrestleMania feel good, send home moment. It just needs to be Guerrero defending his title. How, what's more perfect than his character? It's kind of like when, when Guerrero used to throw the chair at his opponent and make a banging noise with it. And then the ref, he would fall down and pretend the guy hit him with the chair and the ref would disqualify the other guy. And the guy's like, dude, he just, he just threw it in my hands. I didn't do it. Which ironically was Guerrero's last match against Kennedy. He was fighting Kennedy and smack, I think it was SmackDown. And like the ref had his back turned and Guerrero had a chair and he smacked it against the mat to make the chair banging sound and then threw it towards um kennedy and kennedy caught it out of reflex and then grow just laid down like he got hit and the ref looked at kennedy he's like oh shit you're disqualified and the whole crowd went nuts or whatever and grow like winked and laid his head back down because he knew he did it on purpose and like it was it was totally grow probably a great fitting the moment of this match is like the boot unlacing was awesome and smart and clever and like it totally fit Guerrero, so I nominate that. Live cheating still, man. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't talk about that moment in that match, in particular, that led up to that celebration that night, and they should. It's an underappreciated moment, I think. Dave, do you have any other moments, Cuz? I mean, we we uh, we talked about, and, and it's, it's there's so much to it. It's it's so sophisticated as to why it's an underrated moment. But we talked about Brett versus Owen as an underrated moment. And I think that's, that's a great moment. Just like great match, like, too. Yeah. Like that. You know, because we, uh, what, what was the main event? Just like carry us into that. That kind of over it, it, um, it is a great moment that everyone should talk about, but it totally overwhelms, you know, Brett versus the, Owen. The thing going into that match was Luger and Brett won the Royal Rumble that year and they both tied each other. They both fell over the top sure. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't know what to do. So they made like a mini round robin or tournament where, <laughs> Uh, you know, the winner of the Royal Rumble is supposed to fight the champion, which was Yokozuna. So since they both tied, they both had the right to fight for the title. So what they did was they made a round round tournament. They flipped a coin on Raw to see who would face uh, who is crumpling paper. Jesus Christ. Um, Are you eating crackers, guys? God. It's like he's wrapping like, you know, the butcher when you go and you ask for a steak or chicken and they fucking wrap it on the big white paper. Jesus Christ, bro. (laughs) Popcorn. (laughs) So, um, so that, so what they did on Raw was they flipped the coin, and whoever won the coin toss would face Yokozuna first at WrestleMania 10. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jack Tunney will toss the coin. And again, a reminder, the winner of the coin toss will indeed face Yokozuna at WrestleMania. And Lex, if you don't mind, if you it's all right, would you please call it when it's in the air? All right. Jack Tunney, please. Lex Luger called heads. And ladies and gentlemen, heads it is. So Luger won the coin toss, so he got to face Yokozuna first in the middle of the card for the world title. So to make it fair, uh, whoever the commissioner was at that point, I can't remember who it was. Um, maybe it was Monsoon. I think it was Monsoon. Said um, said that Brett, Brett has to fight another guy too. So he's going to face his brother Owen because at the Royal Rumble, Owen also Brett, turned against Brett and kicked his leg out of his leg. And that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. And, uh, <laughs> and Owen, Owen was a heel. So they said, okay, so Brett will face Owen at WrestleMania 10 first. 
and then Luger will take on Yokozuna for the championship. And no matter if Brett wins or loses, he faces the winner of Luger and Yokozuna. So that's the way they set it up. So the main event match mm. was actually ended up being Brett versus Yokozuna and Brett finally winning the title and going over. But what they geniusly did was they had Brett and Owen open up the pay-per-view and had a, a hell of a match. Like it, mm-hmm. again, I always say it all the time, go back on the network and, and watch this match, but go back and watch Brett versus Owen WrestleMania 10. It was so good. It was so great. And, uh, and if you watch that match, you were like, why the fuck would this company lead off their pay-per-view, their biggest pay-per-view of the year with this match? Who's going to top it? Well, I'll tell you who's going to top it. Fucking Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon WrestleMania 10 goddamn ladder match. That's what's going to top it. So the only reason why people never talk about Brett versus Owen is because of that match. That match was so great that it somehow eclipsed an, uh, another great match, which was Brett versus Owen. A lot of people say, and it's a lot of people that like to talk the opposite because they like to be different from the popular vote. Um, they say Brett versus Owen was better because they didn't need a gimmick. Well, I mean, the whole point of Shawn Michaels... <sighs> The whole point of Sean versus Ray Moan was the gimmick was the latter. So it was, it was based around the IC championship and Michaels got suspended, but came back and never lost the belt. So he kept his original IC belt. They made another IC belt for Ramon who won it in a battle Royal slash tournament and he won it and blah, blah, blah. And that's it. So <clears throat> the latter actually had the latter was like the third character in that match. Sure. Well, again, like I don't, I don't, I don't say that Owen versus Brett was better. It's just cynics will say that because they like to be different. But like it, this match, Brett versus Owen was great. The ending was awesome. The victory roll where Owen yeah. pins him and then Owen flips him off when he gets up and Brett looks up finally and Owen it hits Owen like I fucking won. And then the ref raises his hand and he flips Brett off right to his face. Like what an amazing, what a great moment. Like just what a the whole match was great. And if it had not been for Ramon and Michaels. That would have been match of the year that year, and everybody would be talking about that match. And but of course, and also just like they they, they built Brett and Owen for quite a long time. I mean, they were like, "Oh, I'm pissy you." Okay, let's make up, and then it'd be like, "I'm gonna do this," and you could see Owen still slightly like, "I I am the guy. I'm better than Brett." Because there was always that everybody everybody knew who the Golden Boy was, and it was Brett Hart, and 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 Owen as good as he was, he knew that too. But Owen was also incredibly talented, gifted, and uh, had had an ability to to just uh, pull you in when it came to a match in the ring. So Owen's right there with him, and Owen's incredibly Owen himself is incredibly underrated. Let's be honest. I mean, uh, we talk about you know the the one thing we talk about with Owen, unfortunately, is his tragic death. You know, uh, <clears throat> and and that and that's horrible in itself. But I don't think people realize that. Really, in a lot of ways, when it comes to, I'm going to say aerial maneuvers, if you will, Owen was the best heart in the family. Brett's the best technical wrestler, probably the best storyteller, the best creative wrestler. But Owen, Owen's the greatest area wrestler and the best person to adapt to anyone. I mean, Brett's very much um, rigid and um, abrasive. You're going to do it my way. Owen is the kind of guy that's like, yeah, you want to try it? Let's do it. Let's go. You know, unfortunately, what Owen gets remembered for is two things. He gets remembered for fucking up Austin's neck and he gets remembered for his death a few well, years later. And when you start to watch Owen's matches um, beforehand, even before WrestleMania, even before, I'm sorry, WWF, WWE, Owen himself was doing things that nobody else was doing. Owen himself is just ridiculously underrated in so many ways. All you hear about are the ribs, 
the the stone cold injury and his death you know at a pay-per-view and that is quite unfortunate he's the most he's probably by far the most underrated wrestler uh, that you can possibly think of in our generation that's it no i agree a lot of people say Oh, Henning's so underrated. I'm like, no, that's I true. I, that, that's true too. No, but I think I think you're right. I think Owen actually is the very definition of being underrated. I think that when people say Rude and Henning are underrated, like I think no, they're not underrated. They're rated right where they should be in a good spot, in a great spot. But um, but I think Owen was not. Yeah, he it, the way he died unfortunately sucked, and and that that is what pe- defines him. Um, and then his goofy stuff, like I kicked your leg out of your leg and, you know, Owen did a lot of goofy stuff like that where he kind of flubbed a little bit here and there, um, sure. which kind of reminded you that Brett was the best wrestler of the Hart family. But, but I mean, like it, it, yeah, and Brett, did, Brett but, took but it more he, serious, right? Yeah. I mean, Brett took honest. it more serious and was like a little bit more of a surgeon when it came to that. But when I still tell people to this day, if you want to see, in my opinion, the two best five minute matches you've ever seen, like, so when wrestlers now complain, oh, I, you know, after my entrances, I only got five minutes. What am I supposed to do? Okay, let me tell you what you're supposed to do. You go home um, or go in your hotel room, get naked, whatever makes you comfortable, and turn on <laughs> turn on your network or or if you have this on DVD or whatever, and watch two matches that are five minutes long. The first one is from Saturday Night's Main Event in 1989, Brett or uh, Ted DiBiase versus the Blue Blazer. It's a five minute match. You watch that match and you tell me you point out a flaw in that fucking match. And Owen was involved and DiBiase was too. And DiBiase's great. The second sure. match for that example is King of the Ring 94, second round, Owen Hart versus one, two, three kid. Five minute match. You tell me a better five minute match than that. And I will I will tell you to go fuck yourself the next time <laughs> you want to complain that you only get five minutes. That's two matches with the same wrestler involved. So maybe it's not fair. Maybe it's not fair because he is a, a, a an extraordinary talent that Owen Hart. But I mean, you want I don't know what to do with five minutes. Well, I just gave you two matches. You can go and watch what to do with five minutes. They're the two best five minute mat- matches I've ever seen, and they're amazing. And they're perfectly they're timing they're timed perfect. Both wrestlers were very aware of what time they had and what time they had to shine, and they did not waste a goddamn second. Watch both of those matches and tell me I'm wrong. Fight me, bro. <laughs> come at come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Yeah, I'm telling you, it, it sounds like from just yeah, comments, that, that, it was... that Mania 10 match with Owen and Brett is is definitely underrated and an underrated match because shit like because of Ramon and, and Michaels. But I mean, so that just shows you how good that match has to be to be not as good as as uh, Sean and Ramon. the ladder match, which the ladder match changed the world. I mean, they have ladder matches now. I mean, you have TLC, which is based upon the ladder match. You have pay-per-views based upon that first. I don't want to say it's the first ladder match, but it's kind of the first nostalgic ladder match that gets the most attention that, that changed the course of wrestling history. I mean, when you really think about it, but then you have this match buried into the undercard of Brett and Owen. That's just absolutely phenomenal.
And yeah, like I said, absolutely phenomenal, guys. Uh, that's the end of our podcast for today of underrated WrestleMania moments. I just have to ask both of you, do you think there's a chance that we could turn this into a two or even three parter? I think we have a lot more moments that we could definitely capture here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many. I yeah. agree. I'm down. Okay. Let's well, get this going. All right. Well, I think we'll lay some more down. What I'd like to get the opportunity to do here is check us out on YouTube at our wrestling channel or OWC at YouTube. And if you have any ideas related to this topic or any other topic, if it's good enough, we will talk about it. Uh, also, guys, on SoundCloud, we have our wrestling podcast on SoundCloud. Check us out. I think we got some fans from even getting outside of the U.S. already. So we're really excited about that. Thank you for listening. And with that, guys, that's the OWP signing off. Peace out. Peace out. That's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best that this world has to offer.